There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped at 10 and branch microbiter. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories, the early day version of Coffee with Cannon. We're live on the air. You know, I this Richard Allen case, he just uh, a new uh, sort of a breaking bit of news is that he wrote a letter or petition to the court requesting counsel. And apparently, in his words, he had no idea how much attorneys cost. I guess now he knows. Uh So he penned a jailhouse letter saying his wife is in hiding and he is at the mercy of the court. So Richard Allen, charged with the 2017 Delphi murders, has penned a jailhouse letter claiming that his wife has been forced into hiding and that he is now at the mercy of the court. Richard Allen, age 50, sent a handwritten letter to the Carroll Circuit Court and those associated begging the court to appoint him a public defender to represent him as he faces trial for the murders of Libby German and Abby Williams. In the letter obtained by the Independent, Mr. Allen revealed that his wife, Kathy, has been forced to leave both her job and the couple's home in Delphi for her own safety. In the cause listed above, I, Richard M. Allen, hereby throw myself at the mercy of the court. I am begging to be provided with legal assistance and a public defender or whatever help is available, he writes. Mr. Allen previously told the court that he didn't need a public defender because he planned to hire his own legal team. But the 50-year-old said that at the time he had no clue how much attorney costs could be. At my initial hearing on October 28, 2022, I asked to find representation for myself he wrote in the letter. However, at the time, I had no clue how expensive it would be to just talk to someone. I also did not realize what my wife, uh, her immediate financial situation was going to be. He added, we have been forced to immediately abandon employment, myself due to incarceration, my wife, for personal safety. She has to abandon our house, and for her own safety, what little reserve there is will fail to maintain their original residence. Mr. Allen signed off the letter by reiterating his pleas for legal assistance. Again, I throw myself at the mercy of the court. Please provide me with whatever assistance you may think. Thank you for your time in the most urgent matter, he wrote. The letter was signed by Mr. Allen and addressed to Carroll County Court, with a court stamp dated November 9th. Uh, return address on the envelope shows uh, the White County Jail. That's the facility where Mr. Allen was being held before he was moved to an undisclosed state facility for his own safety. I mean, um, we understand in this country that everyone uh, is provided with legal counsel. And it's so important in a case like this because if he's not provided with competent counsel, he can wind up beating the case on a, a technicality. So the the judge uh, and or the court, if you if you may, must appoint a a competent, not just a counsel, but a competent counsel, because in this case, you know he's going to be going up against the state, uh, the prosecution, of course. And the state is going to be very competent. They're going to have the best prosecutor possible. And before we go into whether or not this case is going to be moved, uh, change of venue, whether this case is going to be moved to another county, it has to be tried in the state of Indiana. We know that. But potentially, it could be it could get a change of venue. And I'll, let me just play a little bit of this before we uh, get back and start talking about a potential change of venue. 
his family. Allen was arrested two weeks ago in connection with the murders of Abby Williams and Libby German in Delphi. The two teenage girls were found dead in 2017, a day after going for a hike on the Delphi Historic Trails. Fox 59's Lindsay Eaton has Allen's letter and what's next in this case. In a handwritten jailhouse letter, this is the first time we're hearing from Richard Allen, the suspect in the Delphi double murder case, two weeks after being arrested, now asking for a public defender. This is also a very unusual case in, in terms of its magnitude. J.P. Ramon Lagunas is an attorney in Indianapolis. He explains the next step in the Delphi double murder case is for the court to assign an experienced public defender. Typically, they would look in Carroll County and find someone who was qualified and um, one of their public defenders. My understanding is that Carroll County contracts out their public defense work, um, and so they would need to find someone qualified enough to take a case on like this. Allen is facing two counts of murder in connection with the murders of Abby Williams and Libby German in February of 2017. Roman Laguna says it's not typical for a public defender to turn down a case, but it's a possibility. If a public defender didn't feel uh, qualified enough or if the attorney didn't feel qualified enough to take on a case of this magnitude, um, certainly I don't think that the court would want to appoint someone who isn't comfortable taking it. Besides who, another big question is where. Will this trial actually be held in Carroll County? Certainly, I think the defense may file a motion to change the venue or move out of Carroll County um, and probably will. I just don't know how effective that would be because of, you know, this case is high profile in every county. By law, the trial must take place in the state of Indiana. Allen was being held in the White County Jail and has since been transferred to a state facility due to safety reasons. In the letter, Allen also notes his wife abandoned their home for her personal safety. Having the best criminal defense attorney on this or an excellent criminal defense attorney representing him uh, it actually is in the interest of the state because what you don't want is, first of all, someone who's who, not to have their rights protected, and that can end up in having to redo this again. In his own words, Allen ends the letter writing, quote, I throw myself at the mercy of the court. Please provide me with whatever assistance you may. Thank you for your time in this most urgent matter. Lindsay Eaton, Fox 59 News. Now, detectives arrested Allen two weeks ago today. The probable cause document remains sealed tonight, so we don't know exactly what led to his arrest yet. We do know on October 28th, he was formally charged with two counts of felony murder. He's now in the custody of the Indiana Department of Correction. The tip lines in this investigation are still open. If you know anything that could help state police, Call the number on your screen or email the address you see there on your screen. The original judge in this case who sealed that probable cause later recused himself. So now Allen County Judge Fran Gull is taking over. There's a hearing scheduled for November 22nd on whether or not to keep those documents sealed. Also this evening, a judge grants a request to delay the trial of a man whose name has been tied to the Delphi murders investigation. Kegan Klein is facing more than two dozen charges in a child porn case. Klein has never been charged in the Delphi murders, but has been questioned multiple times. Court documents claim the 27-year-old used a social media account to communicate with at least 15 underage girls, including Libby German, She'd agreed to meet up with a user of that account the day of the murders. Klein had been scheduled to go on trial in January. His attorney filed a motion requesting to push it to May, and a judge approved it. In the motion, his attorney indicated the parties are engaged in negotiations. Can, I, I apologize, guys. I forgot to put to my. The um, can they get anyone in the jury pool? You know, they may have to uh, move this case outside of. Uh
Carroll County. Can they find anyone in the jury pool that doesn't know about this case? Uh, doubt, doubt, doubtful and doubtful that they could find anyone in the jury pool in another county. However, potentially jurors in Carroll County would be much more prejudiced in regards to this case because they are from the community. And everyone, you know, you, you, you show that bridge that's on the screen right now and immediately people say, oh, that's the Delphi case, you know. You show Doug Carter, the superintendent of the Indiana State Police, and everyone knows immediately, oh, that's the Delphi case. So it would be very, very difficult to take this case anywhere and to find an unprejudicial jury. But as far as him getting counsel, he needs to have top defense counsel because if he doesn't, again, it uh, leads it open for an appeal. The big thing in this case that everyone wants to know, and the press, I imagine, both the print press and the broadcasting press, is freaking out with the fact that the probable cause document still has not been released. And they're all chomping at the bit. They want this document released. They want to know what's in that probable cause. And what that does is that gives them an idea of what occurred during the murder of these two girls, Abby and Libby. And that information, I would believe, is eventually going to be released, probably sooner than later, uh, that, it, that it would be released because they can't hold this off forever. Because, look, I, I said on a previous broadcast, if this was New York City, the power of the press, the New York Times, the broadcast networks, they would have already uh, been able to, to get this released. Uh, and the fact that they haven't been able to get this released in Carroll County is, uh, is pretty amazing to me because I think that the law is on the side of, of the broadcast stations and the, the print broadcast because the freedom of information law gives them uh, the right to have the information released. Nearly a week since officials over in Carroll County announced charges in the Delphi double murder investigation. Abby Williams and Libby Germoon were both found dead back in 2017 on the Monon High Bridge. Now a Delphi man is facing charges. We don't know much about why investigators believe this man right here, Richard Allen, was connected to the killings. Now we do know he still has to hire his own attorney and a judge from Fort Wayne is now oversee overseeing the case. Fox 59's Russ McQuaid spoke to a judge who is giving us some insight into this complicated case. When Richard Allen was arrested on October 26th, that started the clock ticking on the case against him and also on the constitutional rights that protect his presumption of innocence. Last Monday's briefing by authorities was light on details, including the evidence and the state's case against Richard Allen. My first thought, well, who's going to represent him? Who's his attorneys? Allen's My Case file does not list a defense attorney, though in a judge's order last week to move Allen to state custody for his own safety, the court said Allen announced at his secret initial hearing October 28th that he would hire his own attorney. But given the fact that he's been moved out of the county jail to a couple of different locations indicates he may not have access to counsel in order to go retain one. Allen has the right to know the details of the case against him, but because the file is sealed, we don't know if he knows what he's up against. Folks, the, knowing the details of the case for the defendant and the defense uh, attorney is called dis discovery. And in a criminal prosecution, um, the prosecution is required to turn over all evidence to the defense attorney, thus to the defendant, so that they can prepare an adequate defense in order to move forward. That has not been done because, first of all, they don't even have, they haven't even released the probable cause affidavit yet. So that this is one of the reasons that the press and everyone else involved trying to find out about this case is more or less freaking out that they don't have this little bit of information. The issue, though, for constitutionally for Mr. Allen, though, is paramount. There's no circumstances under which he's not allowed to know why 
he's been arrested. Allen has until November 17th to tell the judge if he has an attorney, and he must request a change of venue to relocate his trial to get an unbiased jury by November 26th. And his speedy trial deadline is set for next March 20th. But the Carroll County prosecutor's rare secrecy in pursuing this case complicates the state's protection of Allen's rights. All of that in conjunction or in combination is extremely rare. Bits and pieces of it may not be. Carroll Circuit Court Judge Benjamin Diener said he was overwhelmed and bailed out of the case, and Allen County Superior Judge Fran Gull was assigned by the state Supreme Court to take over. But that doesn't mean Richard Allen's case would necessarily be heard in Fort Wayne if it's moved because of extensive media coverage. I'm not sure what the coverage of this has been in the Fort Wayne media market. I just know the Indianapolis media market has been fairly extensive in its coverage. Judge Henke expects that the new judge assigned to this case, Judge Fran Gull of Fort Wayne, could hold a hearing as soon as this week to determine if Richard Allen needs to have a public defender assigned to protect his constitutional rights in this case. In the newsroom, Russ McQuaid, Fox 59 News. Russ, thank you. And family and officials are still asking for any information the public might have on the Delphi case. The information to contact the Delphi tip line is on your screen right now. You can also find that information along with all of our coverage of Delphi right now on our website at fox59.com. So, folks, uh, you know, you, you hear it there that uh, this case is still very much an ongoing case, very much a case that they're requesting help from the public. Mickey Mantle, thank you so much for the 20-pound uh, super chat. All the best Supreme Commander. Guys, the Supreme Commander mugs are out. A lot of you folks have been asking me, uh, when are the Supreme Commander mugs going to be out on your merch? Well, they're out. So if you want to get someone a Christmas present, the Supreme Commander mug is available and other merchandise with the Supreme Commander logo that Josh, our engineer, has so expertly put together. Uh, and Mickey Mantle, thank you so much. That's very generous of you. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube. Go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and ring that bell. If you want to subscribe to us on, or excuse me, not subscribe, if you want to support us on our Patreon, we have a Patreon with three different levels, and we also have a YouTube channel with five, count them, five different levels, and you can see the folks in the green font. They are part of our uh, YouTube family, and we really appreciate them, uh, the support, all the support that they give us. You know, the, the, the we've had a lot of discussion in regards to what what is the possibility that, or why are they not releasing the probable cause warrant? What is going on? Why? Has the court been so secretive with this? And one of the, um, Peter Crusco, a former Queens, New York prosecutor and federal prosecutor, and now a defense attorney, he listed several uh, different reasons why that is a possibility. And one is there could be a possible confidential informant on this case. And they could be trying to protect that person or person's identity by not releasing the information. You know, that's that was the rallying cry. Uh, on the screen is a picture of Abby and Libby, and that was the rallying cry during this whole case. Today is the day, five and a half years. And today is the day was the rallying cry, basically saying that today is the day we're gonna make an arrest in this. And of course we know today there was a day, and that was October 28th where Richard Allen was arrested for this. You know, when you when you hear him sort of whining in that letter to the court, and I, I understand um, due process and that everyone needs a defense attorney, but when you think of what he potentially did to these girls, and in that scope, in that vision of what occurred, think of him whining for a defense attorney. Does anyone really care about his financial situation or his family's situation. No, if this is true, he murdered two young girls. And I know we're a country of rights and due process, and we all agree, yes, he should get 
counsel. But in, in looking at the bigger picture, uh, do we care that much? I guess we have to. Uh, Jennifer Bossert, the probable cause affidavit and discovery will become available. We just have to be patient. Court proceedings are public. We have a right to see all that, however, when it's time. Jennifer Bossett, you're so right. You know, many um, defense attorneys, when I was uh, a police sergeant, when I was a cop, they would prepare for a trial and they would say, be it on court at XYZ day, we're going to start the trial. And the very first day of the trial, they would hand the defense two boxes full of paperwork, full of evidentiary material, full of photo exhibitions, full, all, all kinds of stuff. And invariably, the defense attorney would, sit, would sort of freak out and say, Your Honor, how can I be ready for trial when I was just handed a few seconds ago two boxes of evidentiary, evidentiary material? I'm going to need at least a month to prepare for this. And pretty much all the time, the judge, because of the amount of uh, evidentiary material, would grant the two, excuse me, grant the month for the defense to prepare and prepare for all the evidence that he or she was just handed. And that was, um, uh, that was a technique that prosecutors used to use. And I don't know if they still do. Um, Sean, I'm not, Sean Pellegrino, I don't think I'm muted. I think I'm, uh, anyone else not hearing me? Uh, I think I have it up pretty loud. <laughs> um, I was muted before when the, when the, the, uh, the sound was on. Uh, I can picture, Seattle Ryan, I can picture a bag with a change of clothes under his blue jacket while his hands remain free to round up the girls. Um, you know something, it's, this case is just, an incredible case that has captured uh, the imagination. Uh, Lieutenant Pete says, I'm five by five. That's all police lingo for when you ask for a radio check. And if you were, you were good, they would say you're five by five. Or if you were bad, they'd say you're one by one or two by two or three by three. But five by five meant you were loud and clear. Ruth Ann Griffin, good to see you. Um, so it's, you know, Again, we are all sort of losing it that, oh, my God, where is the probable cause warrant? Where is the freedom of information law in telling us what, why was he arrested and what did he do? And that's what we want to see. And also the indictment affidavit. Why can't we see that? You know, all of this stuff has still not come out. Um, another reason that they, they may be withholding the probable cause warrant is to protect the evidence. Is there some kind of smoking gun evidence that they need uh, They need to protect? Uh, Janice Peace, I think so far they have already messed up the case, moving him so he is safe from one place to another, and the judge stepping down. This is very telling to the public who could be on the jury. Well, Janice Peace, I think if the judge recused himself he felt that he maybe was not the best judge to be on this case uh maybe he has reasons that are very good reasons maybe he's related to someone in this case uh this is a small town don't forget many people know each other in this town that could be a reason to recuse yourself right there Kim Alliston, Sergeant Bill if he is the evil perpetrator in my opinion I am only concerned that justice is achieved for the parents of Abby and Libby, and also for the lovely angels, yeah, for Abby and Libby. Yes, of course, we want justice for them. But in getting justice for for Abby and Libby, we also must make sure that Richard Allen is receives a competent defense. Because if he does not receive a competent defense, he can appeal. And sure enough, in a case like this. He would appeal because he'll have all the resources with competent uh, defense attorneys to appeal the case. And do we want that? No, we want the case tried by the numbers the first time. When I say by the numbers, we don't want any legal mistakes made. 
we want the judge in the case to make all the right calls in regards to the legal parameters allowed in this case. So you don't want to judge objecting to something or withholding something and later on a court of appeals can say that was the wrong decision. And we're going to give, based on that, we're going to give the defendant a new trial. The fact that this case has to be tried once is too much for the people of this community to bear. And I don't mean, of course, everyone gets a trial, but it's too much in regards to what this community has been through. Five and a half years of looking for the perpetrator that murdered these two young girls. Horrible, horrible situation. So we want to make sure when this case goes to trial that it only happens once, that there's no appeal, that everything is done correctly. And uh, to do that, we need a competent judge and we need actually to give Richard Allen competent defense attorney. Let me play a little bit of this here. It's been nearly two weeks since Richard Allen was charged with the murders of Abby Williams and Libby German in Delphi, Indiana. And now Allen is asking for a public defender. I'm Anjanette Levy, and welcome back to Law and Crime Sidebar Podcast. There are still so many questions surrounding this case. We've been following it for you for the last couple of weeks, and documents about this case remain sealed. I find that highly unusual. Usually you get some type of little nugget from a probable cause statement or something to that effect. Not in this case. The documents are sealed, and now Richard Allen has actually been moved to a secret location. He's been in two county jails. Now he's in an undisclosed location where he's being held. And he's written a letter to the court asking for a public defender because he didn't realize how expensive it was going to be to retain private counsel. So joining me to talk about all of these developments are two people who've been following this case for a really long time. They are Anya Kane and Kevin Greenlee, and they host the Murder Sheet podcast. Anya and Kevin, welcome back to Sidebar. Thanks for So, folks, you see that uh, everyone is talking about the release of the probable cause warrant. And the fact that it hasn't been released is highly, highly unusual. And could that be a problem? Could that be a reason for appeal? I, I mean, I'm surprised at this juncture that many... Um, Many different media outlets have not filed legal documents to force the court to release these documents. Before you know it, this will all be mute because, or moot, I don't mean mute, moot. <laughs> It'll be mute like it would be quiet. No, moot, because they'll, they'll release all this stuff. Um, follow the grain in your own wood. It is frustrating to offer what these beautiful young girls didn't receive. A defender. Follow your grain in your own wood. I agree with you. I mean, but we know we can't help but feel that as human beings, but also intellectually, we have to know and realize that everyone, no matter how bad they are, they have to get a competent defense. And we struggle with that because these girls were not given no defense. They were murdered, you know, and now this, the perpetrator in this case, and again, he's innocent to proven guilty. He was arrested based on probable cause. And every time I do the show and I tell probable cause, I always say probable cause, which because I think we throw that term around without necessarily knowing what it means. Probable cause are facts and circumstances that would lead a reasonable person to believe that a crime has been committed and the person arrested has committed that crime. Is that the highest standard? No. What is the standard necessary to prove someone guilty in a court of law? I want to see someone bark that out in the, in the chat, but or else I'm just going to have to, I'll wait a few seconds. Someone should tell me what is the standard necessary to convict someone in a criminal court of law in this country. What is it? 
my God, you guys aren't paying attention in class. <laughs> I want to see someone say it before I have to give it up. Okay, guys. There, uh, Heaven 57, almost beyond a reasonable doubt. Yes. I always remember that acronym, BARD, B-A-R-D, beyond a reasonable doubt. So what is the job of the defense then if we have to convict someone beyond a reasonable doubt? What is it? What is the job of the defense? Yes, thank you for the all your answers, all you guys shouting answers at me. I feel like I'm teaching again. The job of the defense is to create doubt, right? To create doubt. And as you see, Defense attorneys will question paperwork, question competency of detectives, question evidence. Why is why do you think this evidence means that? Uh, yes, Jennifer Bossett, it is the state's uh, it is the state's responsibility to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And the defense's job, a defense attorney's job, is to create doubt. Exactly. Janice Peace. Ron Logan could create doubt. Yes, I mean, there's a lot of things that could create doubt. They'll try to come up with an alibi for Richard Allen. Oh, he couldn't have been there. He was here. I don't know if they will try that. Uh, Daniel K. Bill, a person with zero criminal history can win by acquittal, not guilty verdict, can still lose in certain circumstances. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Um Daniel K., a person with zero criminal history can win by acquittal, not guilty verdict, and still lose in certain circumstances. Daniel, I think that would need a lot more discussion than the time we have for that here. Um, yes, the prosecutor probably has lots of information. Um, you know, when we talk about even evidence, what is evidence? You know, what is evidence? Evidence is something that makes something apparent, apparent like a display, like a piece of physical evidence. Like in this case, is there a murder weapon, clothing with blood on it, clothing that was taken from that scene by the perpetrator as a souvenir or as a trophy, as the FBI would say, which is very common, by the way, in murder cases. Uh, very common that serial killers take trophies. And you know why they do that? The reason they do that is pretty sick. So they can take out that trophy or that souvenir and relive the feeling of the murder. It's so, Many times it's psychosexually connected to the warped mind of the killer. And that is why a trophy or a souvenir is taken by murderers so they can relive the feeling that they had during the case. Just really sicko, you know. There's the Judge Dina who, on the left of your screen, who recused himself. And, of course, on the right is the mugshot of Richard Allen. You know, one of the things we uh, discuss a lot you know, in criminal, criminality, is it unusual for a murderer to not have a criminal history and starts out with, with a double murder? No, it, it, it actually, it happens. But I mean, why do law, does law enforcement always look into the, the history of the background of the murderer or of any perpetrator? And I think it's best said that, you know, I always used to listen to John Jay, Professor um, Dr. Maki Haberfeld, who used to say that past behavior is a very good indicator of future behavior. But does that, conversely, does that mean that if you, if you didn't have a criminal history that you couldn't have started on this day? You couldn't have started murder on this day? particular day? No, obviously it happens all the time. Sometimes murder, homicide, death caused by another, that happens to be the definition of homicide, death caused by another. Murder, 
the taking of someone's life with malice. Um, last behavior is the best predictor of the future. Daniel K. Yeah, I mean, that's basically how what I said. Um, past behavior is usually indicative of future behavior. Because uh, I've had people say to me, oh, what does it matter what the person's criminal history was? There's the answer. Past behavior is quite indicative, usually, of future behavior. You know, someone just doesn't turn over a new leaf uh, because, uh, you know, they, they saw the Lord. You know, they saw the Lord. This is the, the judge, um, the new judge, um, that's, that's going to um, try this case. Her name is Fran Gull. Um, you want to have a very experienced judge in these cases because, again, if a judge makes the wrong call, it leaves the case wide open, wide open for an appeal. And we do not want an appeal. In this case, we want this case to go forward. We want it to be prosecuted one time. And um, when you have an experienced judge, that's that's going to be the case, that it's going to be prosecuted once. Um it's, I want to play a little bit of this. You know, when when we look back on this case and we realize it goes back five and a half years and we think of all the hills and the valleys and the frustrations and the work uh, and the predictions and uh, the community and how the community uh how the community really suffered through this as well as the families of Abby and Libby. I think that as the superintendent, uh, Doug Carter said that Abby and Libby are everyone's daughters, you know, they're everyone's daughters. They just aren't the daughters to their parents. They're the daughters of the entire Delphi community. And then spreading out, they're the daughters of everyone in this world because the fear of every parent is to lose a child that way. Uh, and that's that's one of the reasons that, as I said, Abby and Libby are everyone's daughter. And uh, Paula Volter, he had to go home that day and behave perfectly normal and to work and behave normally. Who can do that after this crime? Paula, who could do that in the days and weeks and years that followed? He lived among the community, knowing that he was the killer. That's some serious pathology, wouldn't you think? Uh, Mona, is it possible they found the guy because he committed another crime? It's possible. I think that, look, we don't know. I'd be guessing just like everyone else. Did potentially someone from his family turn him in? A friend turn him in? Um, or did DNA, did science turn him in? Did DNA identify Richard Allen. Do we even know if they have DNA on this case? I don't think they've said that. But that that's a potentiality, isn't it? Uh, Whirly Girl, is it true that he went to rehab shortly after the murders? Whirly Girl, that's the first I've heard that. I'm not saying you're not correct, but um, it's possible uh, follow the grain in your own wood beforehand to plan and carry it out. Mona, he looks extremely sad in photos post-murders. Well, I think that he realizes his life's over. He's going to be in prison. This case is actually eligible for the death penalty. I don't think they'll go for the death penalty, but that should always be in the prosecution's back pocket so that they can maybe get... Um, cooperation. Well, who knows? I don't think he's going to plead guilty, but 
they could always hold that over the defendant's head if it is a death penalty. And in fact, this is a death penalty case. Uh, Shannon Miles, they were found on Valentine's Day 2017. I would love to know from his wife their plans that day, what transpired and his mood, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Moon Rain, I wonder how long the cops had their eye on him, if at all. Uh, Janice Peace, Yes, men who want to be with younger girls normally don't have normal sex lives with their wives. Uh, Seattle Ryan, it's hard to understand how someone who kills someone thinks. I almost can't believe it. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I don't have that in me that like to understand. Well, I can understand how they think. I don't know why they think like that. There's got to be obviously something broken in this person's brain. Why would he kill or murder two young girls? Is he a pedophile? There was no history that we know of, of Richard Allen being a pedophile. But is he caught up in this ring with Keegan Klein? We don't know. All of this stuff could come out. We don't know. And when we find this out, this is this case could uh, potentially have other defendants. And that's another reason why possibly the prosecution is withholding this stuff. There could be several other defendants in this case. So if they let the evidence out against uh, Richard Allen, couldn't this potentially identify or give a heads up to other defendants who may flee the jurisdiction if they realize they're being looked at and they're wanted? Flee the jurisdiction to a country, perhaps, that doesn't have extradition. So all of these reasons are viable reasons. But I think at this juncture in the case, uh, I believe on the, uh, November 22nd, there's going to be a hearing. He needs to have an attorney appointed by November 17th so that that attorney can prepare for this hearing. So I think... At one of those points, either probably the 1122, that the prosecution is going to have to release some of the documents in regards to the probable cause, perhaps the indictment, perhaps, you know, the defense attorney once appointed and once receives some of the evidentiary material via discovery, the defense attorney for public relations reasons, may release it himself. You don't, you know, the defense plays the press all the time. And we know that. It's not just the prosecution. The defense plays the press. And look at the amount of press in this case. Uh, true crime with Shannon, I believe. They looked back at files and decided to look at him again since he was originally a witness. You know something, guys, and Shannon, uh, that's a good that's a good point. I've worked hundreds of of, of murder cases. And I had I had a great team in Manhattan North Homicide. I had six detectives. They were all excellent. They were all excellent. You know something? I learned so much about investigation from working with detectives, and also from my background in uh, anti crime and being a rip sergeant, which stands for Robbery Investigation Program. And I learned so much, but from detectives that taught me so much about the investigative process. And one of the things I know, and I've heard it said by great um, homicide investigators, is that when you hit a dead end in a case, start over. Start over. Start from the beginning. Read the case folder again. Go through it again. Maybe a light bulb will go off in your head. So homicide investigation is a series of stopping and starting and starting all over again, you know? And this case, they never used the language cold case. It was never, ever called a cold case. However, um, however, again, homicide investigation is a series of stopping and starting. And also, 
and I say this many, many times, direction. Sometimes you're, you're going in one direction. And what happens when that direction doesn't work out and it's wrong? You have to be ready to go up against the powers that be and tell the big bosses, hey, chief, we were wrong. This is not the direction of this case. And he may yell at you and curse at you and, you know, use words that, well, you've mostly heard almost all words, but use words that you don't want to hear and telling you you're wrong. But I used to always say, believe what the detectives tell you. And a lot of times in egos in investigations, the guy with the stars on his shoulder wants to believe that he's smarter than everybody else. But guess what? You better believe your detectives. You better believe what they say. Because guess what? They're right and you're wrong, chief. They are right 95% of the time. And chief, you're wrong, okay? And as a sergeant, as a lieutenant, you have to be able to have the, I'll use a Hasidic, Hasidic I'll use a Yiddish word, you have to have the chutzpah, another word for balls. You have to have the balls to tell the chief what he doesn't want to hear. And that's the nature of investigation. In this case, I would imagine um, there was a lot of stops and starts, you know. This case went over five and a half years, you know. Mona, I still think there's an accomplice, at least one or maybe more. Mona? You could be 100% right. And you know something? And we don't know yet because they haven't told us yet. They haven't told us what direction they're going. And we, we know that there's been one guy, Richard Allen, arrested. But we don't know who, who or if there are accomplices, do we? Um, Ronald Logan, who's now dead, was being looked at as by the FBI as a possible suspect in this case. And had he lived, you know, he may have gotten arrested too, you know, for something as simple as covering up evidence, allowing this crime to take place on his property, or maybe more nefarious. Maybe he was actually involved in this. Uh, Jennifer Bossert, Richard Allen developed the funeral photos of the girls for their family, gave them to them for free. Family confirmed this happened. Horrible, right? Horrible that that occurred, you know, when you think of this dirtbag, you know, this dirtbag developed the photos for the family of the funeral. Just, uh, just crazy, you know. Um, hello, Phil Leo, Electra. Uh, and they found cigarettes at the crime scene. He is a smoker. DNA probably match. Electra, you know something? That's some, one of the items you always take from a crime scene. If there's cigarettes, cigarettes are great carriers of DNA. Someone puts a cigarette in their mouth, they get saliva on it, their DNA is on it. If they did find cigarettes at the crime scene, excellent receptacle for DNA. Could they have... Um, Gayla Dennison, Sacramento, checking in. Stay awesome, Bill. Thank you, Gayla. It's so nice of you to say that. Uh, Sherilyn Shafter, good to see you. Hope you're having a good Friday. Phil Leo, Moon Rain. Seems like psychopaths go about life hurting others for pleasure because the world revolves around them and nobody matters. Their brain never learned empathy. Well, Moon Rain, that is one of the things that psychopaths are lacking is empathy that they can feel someone else's pain and they're missing that part of their brain. What is that? The id, the ego and the super ego. I think they are missing the super ego. Uh, as I recall from psychology 101, the super ego is your conscience, right? So a psycho is missing his conscience. So that you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, folks, this is police off the cuff, real crime stories. We're covering uh, the Delphi case, Richard Allen, who wrote a letter to the court asking for a legal aid attorney. It seems like he could have asked for this a week or two weeks ago, just asked for a legal aid attorney. Um, 
if he didn't ask, uh, an attorney would have been appointed by November 17th. There's a hearing in the case on November 22nd. So he asked for a defense attorney, uh, you know, a defense attorney, and the court, of course, will appoint him a competent one. He doesn't only deserve or get a defense attorney. In a case of this magnitude, we have to make sure not only does he get a defense attorney, but he gets a competent defense. Uh, Jennifer Boss said, you only get one shot with a conviction. Got to make sure everything was done 1,000% correct and that you are right in that. You are 1,000% correct in that. Heather, whatever. So that yelling chief thing in movies isn't exaggerated. Heather, whatever, it is not exaggerated. Um, you see, big bosses on police departments, when they get heat from the mayor, uh, the mayor yells at the chief. He's not going to yell at the detectives. And then who does the chief yell at? The chief yells at the bosses of the detectives. And who do the bosses of the detectives yell at? They yell at the detectives or they try to talk to the detectives and say, look, what are we doing? What can we do? What could, how can we make this right? How can we get more information? How can we lock someone up on this? You know, and, um, you know, I have a feeling also, um, I have a feeling also that they may have used some familial DNA on this case. Uh, you know, those genetic sites. They've done solved some amazing cases recently. And I wouldn't doubt that in this case, there was some familial DNA and it, it led up to Richard Allen. And if you follow some of these geneticists that are using this genealogical sites, what is it, 23andMe, uh, Ancestry.com, they're coming up with unbelievable breakthroughs in cases using that. So I wouldn't be surprised that uh, that they used this technology in this case. Um, unbelievable. I want to play a little bit of um, when they first announced the, the Delphi case arrests and uh, all of the information that came out. It's always an amazing thing to me to hear this. Now, the moment their families and this community have been waiting for. An arrest has been made. From a sketch in every corner of town, now there is a name. The judge signed the probable cause affidavit for the arrest of Richard Allen for two counts of murder. And a face to the man accused of killing Abby and Libby. A man police say has walked among them all these years. Lived here and, and was in, in the community and, and ran around like there was nothing going on, you know? And uh, it's kind of a slap in the face. That's why we said never stop searching anywhere. He could be living right amongst us, hiding in plain sight. And that's, that's what came. I want to make sure that we have everything we possibly need and more. I don't want to leave any stone unturned. The arrest, the news these families have prayed for, now it's on to the next step. We now move forward through the Indiana criminal justice system, allowing the system to provide its due diligence and process in providing that justice which is owed Abby and Libby, their families, this community it's uh somewhat bittersweet you know knowing that uh, while it allows us to move to the next turn or the next chapter um, we still got a big we, now we got a big mountain ahead of us and, and we're going to stay after it i've never given we haven't never given up and, and you guys haven't given up on us we're going to keep pushing all the way Abby and Libby going death have had a profound effect on so many of us, on how we live, and as importantly, who we all should be.
Thanks for joining us for our special on the Delphi murder arrest. Over the next 30 minutes now, we're going to be sharing an in-depth interview about the case with Indiana State Police Superintendent Doug Carter. We'll also hear from the girls' families about the arrest and why they feel this isn't the end, but the beginning of justice for these girls. But first, how we got to this point. It all started on February 13, 2017, when two young girls went out for a walk and never came home. The next day, Valentine's Day, a grim discovery. The girls' bodies discovered in a wooded area near the bridge where they had gone the day before for a simple afternoon hike. It was on the 15th that police revealed evidence captured on one of the girls' phones, showing their suspected killer, the man in the blue jacket. Three days later, Abby and Libby were laid to rest, a community in mourning and a community in fear. February 22nd is when we heard their alleged killer's voice for the first time. With the infamous Down the Hill recording. It wasn't until July that we got our first look at their alleged killer when this sketch was released. His You know, folks, these um, sketches, um, they're never uh, super accurate. They always sort of give a generic look of what the perpetrator may have looked like. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of sketches over my police career. And is it, it's very rare that you, when you catch the perpetrator and you pull up the sketch and you say, look at this, it's a dead ringer. It's, that's very rare. So it's, you know, when you see the sketches, yeah, this sketch really, I don't think this one, it really doesn't look that much like Richard Allen. Uh, you can agree or disagree, but uh, I think that it's 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 indicative of sketches. A sketch artist draws by questioning people, and in this instance, the sketch artist had a video to draw to help draw the sketch from. Image everywhere you looked in the small town of Delphi and beyond. Was Hiller caught on camera, two teenage girls found dead. That September, the girls' families took their plea for answers national by appearing on Dr. Phil. Still nothing, as the case seemed to grow cold. Fast forward to April 22nd of 2019. That's when Indiana State Police released this updated sketch of Abby and Libby's alleged killer, a far different look from the original sketch. Investigators also released additional audio of the suspected killer. Nearly another year passes with no new leads until December of 2021. That's when police announce a possible break, a fake social media account that communicated with Libby shortly before her death. Investigators did track down that man, and he denied any involvement and has never been charged in the case. That all leads us to October 26th, the day police arrested 50-year-old Richard Allen. He was formally charged two days later with murder in the girls' deaths. And on October 31st, the news the family and community have been waiting for for nearly six years. An official announcement of the arrest and the murders and new hope for justice for Abby and Libby. That announcement coming from the Indiana State Police Superintendent. Our senior investigative reporter Bob Siegel sat down with Doug Carter and they talked about the scale of this investigation, the evidence that's still secret from the public, and the unexpected reaction following this arrest. Today is not a day to celebrate, but the arrest of Richard M. Allen of Delphi on two counts of murder is sure a major step in leading to the conclusion of this long-term and complex investigation. Announcing an arrest in one of the most notorious murder cases in state history, that job belonged to Doug Carter, superintendent of Indiana State Police. After years of working with investigators, Carter told me he had dreamed this announcement would come, but the arrest of Richard Allen was not exactly how Carter had imagined it. What went through your mind when you learned that he was in custody? Yeah. Empty. I felt pretty empty. It wasn't what I anticipated it to be, Bob. I was, um, it was a bit overwhelming, quite frankly, at least initially. And it caused me to, to really go back in time and try to understand the magnitude of what's just happened. When you spoke to Abby and Libby's families, how did they respond? 
they didn't really know what to say. And it was, it was that feeling of after all of these years, um, we, we heard what we wanted to hear. Now what? How are we supposed to feel? I think they were pleased because remember, um, we don't tell the family much more than, than, than the rest of the world knows. We can't. So they have the same questions that everyone else has. There are lots of questions because the Carroll County prosecutor filed a request at the courthouse to keep records in the murder case sealed. That includes the probable cause affidavit, a document that would help explain why police believe Richard Allen committed the murders of two teenagers. And that document is almost always made public once a defendant is arrested. Why is information in this case, why is the probable cause affidavit not released right now? Once the prosecutor made the decision to do that and the judge signed that document, it took it completely out of our hands. I believe in the probable cause. I've read it multiple times. I believe in that probable cause. I believe in its outcome. So I think in, in, um, in some uh, semblance of, sh of a short period of time, will be up to the judge, of course, up to the courts. They will release that probable cause affidavit. I understand the question, and that answer will come in due time. Was there a request by Indiana State Police to no, keep that, it sealed? No, not that I'm aware of. Do you support keeping it sealed or do you believe that it should be released i think it point? should be released but i also think there's value in a period of time to keep it sealed uh, again in time uh, the, the strategy will be clear 13 news asked the state police super so folks you know we've heard these uh the reasons for the probable cause affidavit not being released we've heard uh what they may have we don't know for sure you know you hear that oh it's possible to protect the ci on the case protecting the evidence potentially other defendants that could be taking off fleeing the jurisdiction um uh, this could be a child pornography ring these are all possibilities and i'm we're just bringing it up we don't know uh gala dennison uh, i believe they're waiting for other people involved in the case to start talking. That's a potentiality too. That's very possible. Um, the publicity in this case can also, as we all spoke about before we agreed on, is that it could taint the jury pool where it will be impossible to get a jury in this, in Delphi and necessitate them moving uh, the case to another venue, change of venue. And apparently, prosecutors don't like that, you know. They want to keep the case in their jurisdiction. They want to try it in their backyard. They don't want it to have to bring it to some other part of the state. It has to be tried in Indiana. So all of these are... Um, Daniel K. Highly doubt they are holding it back because of the jury. But no, that's I'm just bringing that up. No, you're right. They're, they're not holding it back. But I think what they're real, holding it back is I think it's evidentiary that they don't want the evidence that they have in this case. Uh, real with Robo. Boom. What I say, Canon. See what should, should be partners. <laughs> Everyone is a super sleuth. You know, I'm just trying to bring up some probabilities. So, folks, we're going to uh, obviously stay with this case. Um, when there's new developments, I will bring them up. Uh, the fact that Richard Allen wrote this letter to the court requesting counsel, it's significant. It's important. We get to hear from the potential killer. After all, he has been arrested. Marilyn Mineta, thank you so much for the 199 Super Chat. Very much appreciated. Uh, Daniel K., who's going to wind up paying for Richard Allen's attorney? Of course, the taxpayers pay for it, but uh, that happens every single day of the week. Indigent defendants, um, their attorneys are paid for by the taxpayers. Um, Phil Leo, if the U.S. Marshals are involved, I believe there is a suspect not yet apprehended, possibly worldwide in a ring or solo on the loose. That's their specialty, fugitive apprehension. No, absolutely, that's true. Again, we don't know if there's 
um, perpetrators that are at large. Electra, yup, we are paying for his lawyer and everyone else's as an inalienable right in the Constitution. Yes. Daniel K. agree it's evidentiary. Yes, I do agree it's evidentiary. Uh, and that's why it's not being released. So, folks, I think uh, I, about I'm at an hour and five minutes. I'm at about the end of uh, the end of time here. I could keep going on, but I think we covered the topic pretty good. Uh, if there's anything that you want covered in the future, you know, drop me a line. Either police off the cuff, the number one, just one, not O O N E one at gmail.com or uh, in the chat, you can mention. And I'll, I usually, I look at the chats all the time. I don't answer every single one. It's just, uh, I would have no life if I did that. <laughs> so I want to thank everyone for tuning in today and uh, have a great day. And God bless everyone. One episode, just